Hello and welcome, dear listeners, to the next episode of Civis Pachem, your podcast about international security and American foreign policy. Today we discuss the topic of the possible Chinese responsibility of the outbreak uh, of the coronavirus, which has totally reshaped international politics, and we cover the possibilities how it can influence international politics for now and for the future. So welcome dear listeners, today we have a new talk, new conversation, and we are your host, uh, Dimitri and Vava. And we are going to discuss, you know, as usual, COVID-19 pandemic, mm-hmm. because everything is connected to this and there is nothing to discuss. Well, I, I think there are many different things that we can discuss, but they're we'll all somehow connected to, to, the, to, to the virus. To the virus. So the first thing that uh, we would like to you know, present you and discuss this notion that the virus could not could like could be originated from uh, the Wuhan Virology Institute, not in terms of that it was created by scientists in this institute, but there could be some leak during studies or I don't know experiments uh, in creation of some chimera viruses mm-hmm. combining two viruses. So there is a very nice article published in Washington Post. You can check this out. I guess we want to add it to our know, description yep. and uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah. So what do you think about this? Let's let's just uh, dive deep into it. So basically, the uh, basic idea behind the article is that there is a possibility that the virus originally escaped from the uh, virology lab in Wuhan in China. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to note at first that uh, to make a distinction between uh, conspiracy theory and just a real possibility, because uh, conspiracy theories are usually based on assumptions that can be that there can be evidence to disprove this yeah. assumption. So, for example, if you believe in the moon landing, uh, people can present you with a variety of evidence that will disprove your uh, theory yeah. that the moon landing was a hoax. And here we are discussing purely the possibility of the virus breaking out from uh, the Chinese lab. Yeah. Uh, since uh, the Washington Post uh, article, uh, well, basically they uh, give evidence that there was studies conducted on viruses stemming from bats. Yeah. in this laboratory. So, you know, you can connect the dots and maybe uh, draw out conclusions that, well, maybe they studied this specific disease and maybe somehow mm-hmm. it broke out because there's a lot of coincidences uh, between, you know, the location of the uh, of the lab and where the epidemic started originally. Yeah. So, uh, this is still not a conspiracy theory because there is yeah. no... Uh, evidence to disprove it. This is just a possibi- real possibility that we have to consider. Yeah, this is true. And also, I must notice that uh, when you talk about conspiracy theories, this is also you know the danger of uh, framing something conspiracy theory, where like when in fact this could be a possibility. And this is what we have in this case, I guess, because there is like ample evidence that some people from the beginning of the outbreak they framed it conspiracy theory. Yeah, because due to some reasons, uh, I mean, in Washington Post it says that some guy who worked in uh, common, uh, who worked in in some research group, uh, Chinese American research group, 
like he framed this as a conspiracy theory because he said they all they how they had all safeguards needed to prevent this from happening but the thing is uh, there are too many things as you already mentioned that kind of coincide uh, first of all i mean as it says in this article they studied bats and they studied viruses um, emerging from bats uh, and they also had some i mean I'm not a um, virologist, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go deep into this science, but at least there were some experiments in, create, in, cre like in creating some kind of like new viruses from SARS. Mm -hmm. And this is really strange, but then we go to the point about the knowledge and what do we actually know about this virus, for example, because the thing is that people who like diminish uh, this theory what they basically operate, they say, well, this is conspiracy. And what it means, you know, when you label something conspiracy, you have no possibility even to argue with another person, right? Yes, I mean, because you're uh, immediately noted as a person who is just out of your mind and believes things that are yeah, real. Exactly. But as, you know, now we uh, like understand th there is a possibility of that, there is no... Uh, no investiga investigation was conducted. I guess China conducts its own investigation, which has no mm, any kind of international specialists involved in, in this investigation. And of course, China has uh, undisputedly has an interest in hiding evidences. Of course, uh, just because if it's true, if it's an, if it's the case, uh, there will be some repercussions. Will there? I mean, there should be. I mean, if you, th I mean, and there is another question: Should be there repercussions if it's the case? For example, it's also hard to answer this question. Oh, well, I think there. If it was a mishap on part of yeah. the Chinese lab, then if it's all their fault, I think there should be some consequences. But the question is: Is it really possible to enforce some consequences of them? First of yeah. all, will it be possible to secure evidence? that it was their fault, if it was their fault, because we didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but if it was, is it possible to secure evidence? Uh, is it possible to shed some light on the case? And is mm -hmm. it possible to basically enforce some compensation for the global crisis? I guess it's possible to enforce it. Uh, the question is whether the China going to pay. But as we see now, China is very, I mean, kind of lambasted this idea that it originated in the lab, I'm not originating, so there was, there was probably a leak. They lambasted this idea, uh, but you still see this uncertainty going on because they have, for example, their own internal investigation, uh, and I don't think they're gonna publish real results of this investigation. Of and course not. Whether this like investigation is really critical, and so on and so forth, and there's so many players could could be involved in this story, but yeah, the question the question is, I guess. It's just important to be to understand that this is a possibility, and you know to work forward some kind of solution to actually s secure this information. I mean, currently there are two uh, main possibilities. Uh, first of all, the first one is uh, that the virus came from those uh, yeah. food markets, and those markets have already been uh, the birthplace of. Mm -hmm. many pandemics or specifically SARS yeah. disease uh, so uh, the second option is that it uh, came from the lab in Wuhan which I think both options make the Chinese government 
at least partially responsible for yeah. the outbreak of the disease because first of all the markets they should have been banned or at least regulated uh, yeah. after the phase first our outbreak of the disease and the lab well i think it's pretty self-explanatory why the lab would be uh, the responsibility of the chinese government yeah the lab will be like the worst case scenario but it's also important to bear in mind that in terms if it, if it was a you know, lab accident we should also secure that something else, like you know what kind of conditions we have in these labs throughout the world because it's not only china who has, conducts research in this field we know that there's very similar american labs in the us that conduct same kind of research on viruses and i mean it's interesting to understand what kind of cautionary measures they have and it looks like those measures not really um they want they couldn't really prevent something like this from happening so it's definitely a possibility you know when we talk about for example you know nuclear reactors and uh, i would say like research on viruses the possibility of a leak from the you know, virus lab is way higher than something accident in the uh, nuclear reactor. Yes, and I think it's also interesting to note that in the Washington Post article, they noted that the factor of human error can influence the greatest lab yeah. with the greatest security measures uh, there there are. And they also mentioned that such things happen in labs yes. all over the world, such leaks, like and also in the United States. Yeah. So this possibility needs to be considered seriously. Um, yes, indeed, and that's why I guess the whole situation now. Um, and then I guess we are like turning to another, maybe the topic of discussion, because it it resembles. It, I mean, at least for me, it resembles more and more this idea about you know this competition, geopolitical rivalry, whatever you you frame it. But it's something connected to this uh, the notion of competition between states, disinformation campaigns, you know, all this stuff. Um, and that's what we see because China launched this, you know, extensive campaign to um, just to say that when like it's it's not China, it's not the country, it's not China who we should blame, but you know, it's the US that um, withdrew its funding from WHO, something like this. Mm -hmm. So there is extensive information campaign against the US. Uh, and also Russian information campaign against the US uh, and I guess Western countries in general, like Western bubble of information, if you if you will. And this is this shifts uh, more and more towards this really cold war, mm -hmm. cold warish, yeah, no, something very similar. So, do you think this is how things are gonna gonna be after the pandemic? Yes, uh, you can already see that there are those spheres of influences forming around China and the United States. Yeah. The United States has recently, well, willingly or not, worsened the relations with, for example, the European Union and the yeah. member states, while China is doing really, honestly, a brilliant job as painting themselves as the, you know, the good guys in the entire crisis. They yeah. basically provide, you know, medical supplies to Europe right now and send doctors yeah. which have expertise after, yeah, the, I... uh, after the, the crisis in China. And this paints China in a good light in Europe, mm -hmm. which has traditionally for the like, last you know, 80 years has been a sphere of influence on yeah. the U.S. And I feel that, well, China mm -hmm. does a great job on undermining the U.S. authority in Europe. And in different places over the world, mm -hmm. which uh, I'm sure will lead to some major standoff between the two powers, because they basically 
they work both in the same spheres mm-hmm. of influence and they grab yeah. basically grapple with each other well i would be critical at this point um because i guess there is structural bias uh, and that's why people don't really criticize, for example, China and Europe and uh, in elite circles in the US at least, and some elite circles, because there is a structural bias because, you know, people can make so much money from China, from Chinese markets. For example, if we talk about Germany, for example, car makers, which are like maybe the most influential lobbyists in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really benefit from China like because, you know, it's profitable to sell thousands of BMWs and Mercedes there. I mean, there is no argument about this. They actually benefit from Chinese market. Um, and you can see this very big difference. I, o- I always think about how it's different, for example, for Russia and China. And I think about, if you remember, there was a, a big, not big, but there was some accident in, Rus- in, in Russia's research facilities on some nuclear, um, nuclear military um, like nuclear military you know, uh, high-tech technologies mm-hmm. that happened in the north of Russia, in Yoksa. And Russia, it looks like Russia tried to hit some information about their radioactive exposure uh, for a short period of time. And there was like this big American-European outrage that Russia is this, you know, evil country that tries to hide information. Uh, it's not uh, transparent, tran- like transparent. And this is all true, uh, I don't deny this, but the same thing doesn't apply to China necessarily because people try to be okay with China because China is a big market and China is an integral part of European economy. Mm-hmm. Like not a European, but Western economy already. And this is an interesting question because you see this, you know, biases um, play a very important role in international politics. And then, like, I mean, for example, for me, I'm Russian and I'm, for example, against this. Mm-hmm. Because there is definitely some kind of, um, I would say, great area, like area, and what we need, we just need to be very critical uh, to anyone who kind of has to hide something. First of all, we should be critical towards totalitarian governments. Yes. First of all, because they have interest in hiding information. Which China is. Yeah, China... Right. China is not even an authoritarian regime, it's a totalitarian regime. But because, you know, we are not in this state of uh, wars with Russia, for example, and the sanctions, like, do you know, like, I mean, the U.S. has sanctions, uh, like, the U.S. couldn't supply, for example, you know, military technologies to China or something like this, it's their sanctions, but they still kind of okay in trading with China and benefiting from China and something like this, you know, in uh, producing stuff in China. And that's what I find, uh, that's what defines, you know, the world before the pandemic. It's, you know, this notion that globalization benefits everyone. And now I'm becoming very critical to, like, uh, to this, about this issue, you know. Towards globalization, you mean? Uh, yes, uh, because I just feel it's, it's not fair, you know, when countries treat it differently just because you have, you know, different biases against them mm-hmm. and different attitudes. I think we should also basically put in this equation the notion of distance. I'm sure the, for yeah. the European Union would not be so uh, trusting towards China if China was closer to the EU. Because yes, the, the threat, I mean, the threat, let's say, the threat of like some Chinese military action against the EU is non existent at all. So it's beneficial for the EU to trade with China because if mm-hmm. China benefits, they have no means of. 
using this this, this yeah. benefits against Europe. Uh, but that's not the same case with Russia, who's right next doors. And if, yeah. you, if you cooperate with Russia, if you if they gain money, they well, can use it against you sometime. So I think the factor of distance has to be counted in here. I mean, there is the case, I guess you can argue, uh, for that notion. But I, I don't say whether it's an um, absolute case in this scenario, just because, I mean, we don't know. I, I, defin I definitely believe that... Uh, like, some European Europeans don't look at Russia as a big market. You know, it's it's 140 million people. It's not so rich, and I mean, it's still. I mean, they still sell their cars, for example, in Russia. I mean, cars are not under you know any kind of ban from Russian sides, so, mm -hmm. uh, and so you can still benefit from Russia somehow if you are smart enough and you have I don't know good lobbyists in your Commission, but. No, the different thing about China, it's, it's different. It's different budgets, different kind of uh, sums. Of yeah, of money. course, there's a difference between 140 million population and one yeah. billion. I mean, I don't know what what numbers are, but I guess if you go and say, and if you go and just see how how much Germany benefits from selling cars to China, you're going to be shocked. This is like a big part of a big chunk of uh, German budget comes from this, uh, you know, profits. And this is how it is, this is how globalized the world is, but what we don't understand, we should be still critical towards China because there still be some evil stuff going in, in China just because it's an authoritarian government. And yes, absolutely. It tends to hide information from people, it tends to control um, uh, Chinese people and all this stuff. But we, I guess we, in our everyday life, we still um, forget about this. And, I mean, it's, I think it should be like a basic rule that any yeah. information coming from a totalitarian regime should be questioned, because any information they release, uh, you can be one hundred percent certain that's information that is basically beneficial to them. Yeah. Be it, is it true or not? We cannot be sure, but it's they will only release information that they want to release. And I mean, everyone understood this during uh, Cold War, but. For some, for some reason, no one understands this during globalization. Well, I think the U.S. government understands that quite well. Yeah, but there are circles that really try and push forward towards this, uh, I don't know, the U.S.-China rapprochement, and they try to convince... I guess uh, I, I just uh, read article today, like like Fariza Karia wrote that oh, you know we still need to like need to move towards uh, cooperation with China and this virus is not a case like for us to compete. I mean I still against any kind of competition because it can lead to war, it can lead to some kind of conflict. But there is a big but for me and there is uh, actually Chinese regime bears some danger inside itself and that's why we shouldn't really let it uh, let, like Chinese revenues grow and Chinese elite make more money and use this money then for some other geopolitical ambitious reasons or whatever. Yes, unfortunately the idea that China will turn democratic at some point when they're developing mm -hmm. has totally failed and this basically this idea of how yeah. countries work can be totally basically disproven this way uh, so I think we have to think of different ways to contain their growth of influence. Yeah. Because they're, I'm sorry to say that, but I really think that they are a danger to the current international order. order. Yeah. I also, 
I think so, and we really, I do believe that we need some kind of investigation. I'm, I'm not sure whether we're going to get one, but, you know, we still need to defend the right of, you know, international community to scrutinize actions in China, scrutinize this uh, institute, because when you look at facts, you know, we don't know nothing about this institute. I mean, it's still cooperated with some, uh, I guess, cooperated with, I may be wrong, but it cooperated probably with John Hopkins, it, had some research mm -hmm. groups, international research group, but it was like still just a part of this institute. Of course, you know, institute is big. You can check pictures. It's actually big. It looks like uh, you know bigger than any European campus on the same in the same field. And this is definitely something. I mean, they are doing something there, right? And you just need to make sure that. This not happened because you want to safeguard just humanity from any kind of leaks in the future mm -hmm. coming from China or from the US or from Russia or from any kind of government that um, has this ability, has, has resources to conduct this research. Yeah, but mm, was it released from the lab or not? China has been a source of many epidemics yeah. in the past. Which I think cannot be just... Yeah, and they're reluctant to, to solve the problem. Yes, it this is why like. I think all the, I agree they should face some international consequences. Yes. But uh, I think it should happen, but I think it will not. Yeah, okay. It's it's nice question. It's a nice topic to discuss then. But then you see like Donald Trump acts like the only guy who has a reason to act like this. And he's like the only rational guy in the room. Because no one, no one tries to blame China in American elite circles. You know this um, foreign policy blob. They all try to say, well, you know, we need still the cooperation with China. It's not a big deal. And Donald Trump looks like the only guy who actually cares about, I don't know, in, in some kind of justice in this situation. Well, I think he's also using the topic of China in his presidential campaign. True. Uh, you know, there's no better way to build support than to show your people that yeah. you have an enemy from the outside. Yeah, this and I think true. he's playing this quite cleverly in his campaign. But nevertheless, uh, I, I have to agree with the with the, his idea that China is to be held responsible for what happened. And I guess there is a very um, there's there's it's so hard even just for American administration to impose these sanctions sanctions because so many people in America opposed to that and in elites and you know in uh, um, a foreign service and um, just international community yep. and just uh, people who have factories in the in China and of course no one wants I mean this the collapse of relationships because this is gonna be a disaster probably for world economy mm -hmm. it's definitely gonna be a disaster but there is hard truth to globalization that you know people should shouldn't be blind and they just shouldn't hide information agreed yeah so do you think we covered everything I think this is pretty much it okay then Thanks for listening to us. Stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to to our channels. Come and follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, yes, we are going to upload. I guess this episode on um, on YouTube. Yes, so that's what we started doing recently. Hit a like, uh, subscribe to us, and um, you know, send us a message if you have something to ask. And I guess you'll hear from us next week. Yeah, and see ya. See ya.